Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. This morning, I, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you and the, the series will be called Steps to Greatness. Steps to Greatness. And we will be emphasizing on what I call despising the days of little beginning. Everybody say despising the days of little beginning. Yeah. Steps to Greatness. Everybody wants to be great. Everybody. Everybody who prays for greatness. Everybody aspires to be great. The only challenge is that we all sometimes have our definition of greatness wrong. Most of the times. And so that, that poses a problem to us. Because if, you're, if, you're, if you get your definition in life wrong, your pursuit will be wrong. You can never get it right. So you realize that greatness means many things to many people. Many things to many people. For instance, in our very materialistic culture, greatness is defined by how many cars you have, uh, the houses you live in, including the one in the village that's only occupied by lizards, uh, where you travel to, praise God. And because of that, we always have a desperation about life. And because of that desperation, you find out there are a lot of depression, suicide attempts, feelings of unworthiness. Because where there is a desperation to be successful, you cannot be grateful. You cannot be grateful. One of the things that you must learn in life if you want to become a great person is the secret of contentment. This is not to say you keep your ambitions low, but this is to say that on your way to your destination, you enjoy the journey. That place called there never exists. You know, sometimes you wonder someone like Dangote and all those rich people, you will still hear that they are building factories. You know, sometimes you ask yourself, so what, are, what do you want? I, I bet that some of you your greatest desire was just to get a job after school. And say, let me just get a job so I can take care of my family, can take care of my parents, I will be satisfied. Now you have the job, but you're not. You're praying again. You know, some people, when we say, let's pray that God will do something in our lives, and you observe some people praying, you now ask yourself, what does that man want to God to do? <laughs> what do you want again? You understand? It's like, you, you're okay. When they talk about such people, we are the ones that should be praying. I'll tell you something this morning. Don't ever forget this. 
You will never be satisfied in life. You have to tell yourself where to stop. You will never be satisfied. Are you following what I'm saying? You didn't follow now. I said, are you following what I'm saying? Yes, I'm never satisfied with your yes. Keep saying. Are, are you following this? You will never be satisfied. You have to sit yourself down and talk to yourself. And said, at this point, it is okay. I'll be fine. I'll enjoy the journey. So the first thing when we talk about steps to greatness is to understand that greatness is not accidental. Nobody becomes great by accident. Nobody stumbles on greatness. Nobody stumbles on greatness. There are steps to it. It's gradual. I think one of the things we need to push into all of our heads in this generation is to understand that things take time. That there is a process to life. That what you even call an overnight miracle is not really an overnight miracle. Certain things have gone before then. If you understand the process of life, you will become with every face of your life. Because most times, we try to judge our present by people's, um, how do I put it now? You know, where people have gotten to, we try to judge our present life by that. So there is always a sign of discontentment in our hearts. Because the truth of the matter is that the society will not respect you if you don't have certain things. Unfortunately, we also have that culture in church. That if you don't have certain things, then the church also does not regard you. But then if you immediately get those things, then the church starts honoring you. And I want to say this. The church must never be a place where there is discrimination between the rich and the poor. It's never designed to be so. That a man gets into the church, he has all the money in the world, and without him even growing spiritually, you realize that he's been made an elder. Sometimes some of the most difficult people to talk to are people who are wealthy because they are carried away by what you call the deceitfulness of riches. Praise God. There are many things to occupy them. Some of the most, if you have passed off for a while, you realize that sometimes the most loyal people you would have are poor people. Another thing is because they are always available. There's no work. There's no nothing to So they are there. You can do the work with them. If a rich man is not supervising his house, he's supervising his fish pond, or his horse needs to eat, or his children needs to go, they are carried away by many things. Never available. Yeah. Never available. There's always a project. There's something. They're always after something. And of course, there's enough money so they can just live stream the service. They are there in spirit. I remember doing a program one time and I invited a friend of mine. He said, I'm going to be with you in spirit. I said, the chairs we rented are not for spirits. Is either you're coming or not. Imagine we're running a church where everybody is with us in spirits. No. But what actually is greatness? Is greatness 
the things you drive, what you wear, is that greatness? No, absolutely no, a thousand times no. We must, we must come to the place in our lives where we understand that the word of God is the wisdom of God. That if the word of God tells us something, whether it makes sense to us or not, we receive it as the wisdom of God. And the word of God has clearly told us that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So what exactly is greatness? That's Luke 12, 15. I just quoted Luke 12, verse 15. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Very interesting story. I read this yesterday and I was just thinking how God sees things. Let's go to, go with me to Matthew chapter 2 first. Matthew chapter 2. Sorry, Matthew chapter 3. Let's look at verse 4. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 4. Steps to greatness. The first thing we have to understand is what is greatness. That's what we're looking at. What is greatness? Is greatness appearing on television? Look at this. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he was... And his food was locust and wild honey. <laughs> then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around John, John went out to him and were baptized by him in Jordan, confessing their sins. I want you to take a look at how the Bible describes John. It says John the Baptist. It says he was, he was wearing camel's hair. He had leather bed around his waist and he was eating locust and wild honey. In your mind, as you're sitting here, if they describe this man to you, you say he's a great man. No. Because he wasn't wearing... I mean, I know sometimes you just feel that, well, it is Bible. Do you understand Kamer's hair? Man, Kamer's hair in those days was like a gushi. It's a lie. It's a lie. That's not true. Because you don't find many people being described as wearing Kamer's hair in the Bible. They wear robes. Like the one Jesus wore that was fought over by the Roman soldiers. So this was just a regular dressing. Look at his food. It didn't show the sign of greatness. Great people don't eat locust. But let's go to Matthew 11 and see what Jesus says about this man. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11. As shortly it's like saying, surely, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus re regarded John the Baptist as a great man. Today, how do we even rate ministers of the gospel? You realize that John the Baptist did not do any very, he, he didn't actually do a very significant miracle. He just brought people to the kingdom of God. <laughs> but today, 
We rate ministers by how much miracles they can perform and conduct. We've, we've seen miracles in our ministry. We've not seen as much as we desire to see. But that's what it's also making setting ministers fake miracles. Why? Because they want to appear great in the eyes of men. Because that's what makes the crowd to come. That's what makes people to accept you. One of the greatest evangelists that has ever lived, Billy Graham, massive people coming to the Lord through his ministry. There was, there was not really very significant miracles in his ministry. Why am I referencing that? It's because we all, as we're seated here this morning, have what is greatness in our mind. And if it's not consistent with the word of God, you will misunderstand this message. So we all have to agree on what is greatness first before we talk about steps. So we make sure that the ladder is on the right building. So what exactly is greatness? Very simple. Greatness is fulfilling all of God's plan for your life. That's what greatness is. If that requires you to be a billionaire, if that requires you to, be, to build factories, if that requires you to build a school, we must get comfortable with the fact that greatness is what? Fulfilling God's plan, the, the totality of God's plan for your life. That if a man works in the plan of God for his life, that man is a great man. Are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? It doesn't matter if the guy is not appearing in CNN Heroes. It doesn't matter if the man is not appearing all over the world. It doesn't matter if, <laughs> if those things are not there. Because this thing called things is giving us issues. Praise God. And so, when we also come to church, we must be careful not to always make it look like there's something God needs to do. You are not there. You know, it, it, it's almost like we have markers that we have set in our life um, globally as Christians that we want to urge everybody to get into. And the, the danger with that is that people also are not following God's plan for their lives. Because sometimes even to us as ministers, if we don't see those markers, we don't feel like those guys are doing anything. So you discover that people are not walking in the plan of God for their lives. Because sometimes the plan of God in your life might not look like greatness to those around you. So I hope our definition of greatness is getting clearer. Let's not just assume when I say steps to greatness, say, man, that is it. That's the message I've been waiting for. <laughs> no. Are you doing what God asks you to do? If God should compare, we, we, we're building the personage right now. Imagine if the architect comes 
You know what that house called now? Maybe three-bedroom flat or four-bedroom apartment. And that was the original design. And uh, the architect comes and discovers we've built an upstairs. We've put galleries. We've put that. We've put this. Is the architect going to be happy? I'm not sure he is. Why? Because that's not the plan. Can I tell you something this morning? You don't live to impress God. You live to follow his plan. What did I say? You don't live to do what? To impress God. You live to do what? To follow his plan. You're not trying to use your success to make God happy. God will not be happier than he is. He's not suffering from depression. There is a plan for your life. There is a plan. There is something God wants you to be doing. Mother Teresa, most of us would have read of her with no heart. The Catholic nun. She was a missionary in Calcutta, India. And one day, she was on the bus riding. And she saw lepers and all of those people left, you know, there in the street. And she said in her heart, she just desired that if these people even want to die, let them die with a smile on their face. That was, that was, that was everything her life was built on. Everything her life was built on. And then she started her missionary society that has over 750 missionaries attending to such people. From what we read about her life, she didn't have many clothes. Most times they wear the white and then the blue stuff. She didn't have so many clothes. There was no Gucci bag, there was no Versace, there was no... And I remember when she won the Nobel Prize, they gave out the, 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 the financial rewards to the prize, she sold everything, put it back there. In terms of material possessions, can we say she was one of the richest women in the world? Absolutely no. Can we say she was great? <laughs> Absolutely yes. So when we talk about steps to greatness, the first thing we're talking about is understand what greatness is. If not, you will pursue the wrong thing. What is greatness? Is greatness more acquisition? No. Greatness is finding out God's plan for your life and fulfilling it. Jesus came and said, this guy called John the Baptist, who was wearing camel's hair and eating this kind of food, among all the people born of a woman, including Solomon, he says he's the greatest. Why? It's very simple. Because... John the Baptist fulfilled God's plan for his life by calling Israel to repentance. The fact that he was obedient to that said he was great. Are you still here? I said, are you still here? So you must define greatness. What is greatness to you? And because if you have the proper understanding of greatness, you will not be able to know who is great. Because sometimes, unconsciously, we even envy all these politicians who steal our money and make our country deprived and 
and, and, and I mean, makes it almost look like not a country. We, in our hearts, they are our signs of greatness. We still pray unconsciously that God will make us like them. Yeah. Yeah. Deep down in our hearts, we still see them as great people. Yeah. Because that's the society we found ourselves. That's the world we find ourselves. It's a world that is moved by sight. It's a world that is moved by, by acquisition. So for instance, if you, uh, uh, <laughs> if you come into a church like this and you see the number of people, ah, no, no. It has to be 70,000. And you look at the people, the precious people God has brought to you, and there's no sign of gratitude for the ones. Because the ones that will make you happier are still outside. And all your life. Why? Because every pastor is judged by the number of people sitting, listening to him every Sunday morning, and the number of money that comes in the bank account. That's why I also started my own pastor's conference. Because I used to go to pastor's conference, and you feel very depressed. Come back, you feel like God. Man, say in two years, six thousand people came into the church. This is the secret. Then gives you the secret. You write down secrets. Come to your church. Apply the secret. Six thousand people leave. Am I against church growth? Absolutely not. We will pastor a large church. We will. But you know what? I'm happy all the way. Why? Because what God demands from me this morning is to show up and teach you what he has put in my heart. And I'll stay faithful to that. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why we have introduced all kinds of programs to the church. If, we are, if, if all of us seated here we're honest with ourselves. We'll tell ourselves that this is not the church that was handed over to us by the apostles. Because we have all kinds of programs. Soap making for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus weavers. All kinds of things. Just to get people in. Give them food. Give them rice. Pay their house rent. Buy clothes for them. Just get something. The church is more like, what's going to make people happy? Oh, pastor, people are not happy. The sermons are too long. Make it short. Make it short. People's attention span is low. Make it short. Here, those guys are managers and engineers over million dollars of industry. Yet the attention span is very low. It only gets low when they're walking through the doors. When it's to make money, attention span is high. Can have a business meeting for two hours. With figures, calculation. I've just read only Matthew 11, 11. Attention span is low. They're calculating, plotting graph, Excel, email, everything. And your attention span is high. It's just so your attention span follows your interest. If your interest is, is it where a man's heart, where his treasure is, his heart will be there. Some of you now, your heart is in your building project. That's where your heart is. Why? Because your money is there. Even though you are living here physically, you are actually in Lagos. Why? That's
that's where your family is that's where everything is. do you understand what i'm saying so the fact that you're physically present in a place doesn't mean your heart is there it's the same thing with the kingdom of god you might be in the kingdom but you don't have a heart for the kingdom why because your greatness is not defined by kingdom values it is defined by what the world calls great and what does the world call great anything you can touch anything you can feel anything you can acquire so there's pressure there's pressure on pastors to perform there's pressure on women pressure on men pressure on youth everybody online seminar turn your facebook contact to money contact your your contact can become money contact everybody's just trying to make it let's get there Now, when you hear me preach like this, you, sometimes you think I'm against prosperity. I'm not. God has blessed us. But listen, the prosperity of God comes with the peace of mind that comes from the Father. It comes with joy to be able to fellowship with people. Are you following what I'm saying? It comes with rejoicing. It comes with happiness. It comes with righteousness. It comes with the fact that when you go to bed, you know that Nobody's praying against you because you've cheated him. Praise God. Peace of mind. You're happy. That's greatness in the kingdom. So I, I, I'm spending my time to, talk, to stay around the subject of greatness. Why? Because as we start talking about steps to greatness, I want every one of us to understand what I mean by greatness. That there is a plan for your life. What do you, why do you think it's difficult for us to get missionaries today to, get, to go to the to bush, rural areas and preach the gospel? It's not greatness in people's eyes. Imagine they just ask you, where's where your husband? You know, say he's a pastor in one Bakalaka village. What's that? Where is that? Is that in the map? Say, no. Then the next question, ah, ah. is that where you are going to spend your life? You know, because it's, it's failure already. Ask every pastor, where is God speaking to you to locate, say, Abuja? We want to broadcast God's word from the federal capital territory. Why? It's closer to the senators. Yeah. I mean, who would not like to go there? Even you want to go there. Everybody wants that. Are there some people sent there? Absolutely. Is everybody sent there? No, sir. So what's greatness? It's doing what God said you should do. Sometimes it might make you popular. Sometimes it will make you unpopular. Praise God. Sometimes it will make you wealthy. Sorry. Sometimes the plan of God might make you to walk away from the treasures of Egypt. So that you can go and lead people in the wilderness. How many of you know that's not a good career choice? Right? I mean, Moses, you're the next Pharaoh of Egypt. You're the man. You were raised by Pharaoh. And then these are a bunch of slaves. You know, when we read about Israel today, we're excited. But the guys were slaves. And then you now meet your mother, Pharaoh, king. Like, God has called me to something greater. So, wow. So how many more countries are we going to run over? I say, no, God has called me to, to let this people go and worship him 
Even the slaves will tell you that, oh God, don't worry, just give us money, stay here. Because the more you are the pharaoh of Egypt, the better for us. Do you understand? It wasn't a comfortable choice. The Bible says by faith, he walked away from that. So faith, listen carefully to me this morning, faith is not just only to get things from God. Faith is also to be able to obey God when it doesn't make sense. You have a good job here, you have something here, and the Lord says, I want you to do this. You can't explain that to anybody. So, that's greatness. Moses was a great man. You remember that the people that killed Moses are the people that he went to lead. Yeah. You remember how the first time God wanted to wipe out the children of Israel, Moses said, take my name from the book of life. Those guys were complaining. So Moses wasn't leading a very nice church. Most pastors die out of... Most of the things that kill pastors are the people they are called to lead. The disappointment, the betrayal, the depression, and everything that comes from the church. That's what kill pastors a lot. Because you always have them. The guys are complaining. They want water. They want water. They want water. And you know the funny things people complain about? Very simple things. You know, the, I read the story one time and I was laughing. When, they were, when the meat, when they needed meat, the scripture says they came out of the tents of meeting, the tents where they were staying, and everybody started crying. You, you, you understand those kind of <laughs> unity fountain meetings? They all just came out and just started crying. And you know, it's over. Let's, let's just put a conservative estimate. Maybe just a million people, right? A million people crying to one person. And these guys, you know when you're leading these guys and you pat the Red Sea, bam! They walk on dry water. They were singing. Oh, my God, this one. Now, on the next day, Moses went up to, to the Lord, spent 40 days there. The guys came back, met Aaron, assistant pastor. Say, <laughs> so where is Moses? His WhatsApp is not going. Last seen, 40 days ago. <laughs> Facebook, last updated. Hanging out with God. 40 days. Say, give us a God. And the lie was perfect. Say, we just threw our golden stuff into the fire. And the calf came out. Wow! It's a miraculous God. They started worshipping the golden calf. Here was this guy that left (laughs) becoming a pharaoh to becoming your pastor. They're worshipping a golden calf. The guy comes with tablets of the Ten Commandments. Like, man, I'm going to church to unleash these Ten Commandments. These guys going to worship God. Comes down from the mountain. (laughs) Those guys have already broken all the commandments before they wrote them. (laughs) Worshiping golden calf, having sex, all kinds of stuff. And who was the first guy who broke the commandment? Moses. Bam! Breaks them out of anger. God said, okay, let's reconstruct them. And then they cry for water. God speaks to Moses. Speak to the rock. You know, when somebody says speak to the rock and then you hit the rock, it tells you the level of anger you already have. Bam, bam. Water shows up. God says you're in trouble. I mean, you know, probably Moses would have died a very frustrating death. Because the very people he was called to serve, the very people who killed him. 
But then as compared to that, the scripture puts him in the hall of fame as one of the meekest men that ever lived. What exactly is greatness to you? That's one thing I want you to do. We're entering a new month. You're going to set new goals. Review. Sit down and ask yourself, what will you do in this life? And you would actually say you're a great man. You know, it's easy for us after hearing this kind of message. You just want to buy rice for the poor. You just want to take care of old women. You just, you know? No, calm down. Calm down. That's, the world has defined that as act of greatness. Is that what God wants you to do? You know, it's quick for us to use the pot to raise our ego. Then you hand them one bag of rice and you say, snap, 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 snap. The point is, are you feeding the poor or you're feeding your ego? What exactly do you want? What about if people never know what you do for the poor? Come on, are we together? I said, what about if people never know what you do for the poor? Would you still be comfortable doing it? Is our comfort from what we do or the, the applause we get when we finish? I say, man, that pastor, ha, he feeds the poor. That guy, he does this. You know, sometimes, I'm saying this because this is my local church. Sometimes I get uncomfortable when we need to share the stuff we do because sometimes it looks like we're not doing a lot. And the reason people think we're not doing a lot is because we don't go the normal way. Where whatever we do, it's in the public. Because I read in the word, it says if you give in secret, your father who sees in heaven, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. We don't want that. We don't want that. Why? Because that might make us look like small people in the eyes of men. So what makes us look like great men? I want to celebrate my birthday. I want to do it with offense. Offense. Buy a crate of malt, buy a crate of uh, rice, cabin biscuits. Straight to orphanage with camera. Won't say yeah. One, one, one bottle of uh, Limca. Do they still sell Limca? Yes. They still sell Limca or Sprite. Eh? One bottle of Sprite and one cabin biscuit. Two orphans on your hand. Say, snap. Then Facebook. Thank God for the gift of life. I celebrated with orphans. Join me. Emboss me for details. You're a great man. And then people start using you. This is how to live, not like all those pastors who take money, say, praise God, all glory to God. And in your mind, you're a great man. And what you've just done is just glory. Why? Listen again, because that is what the world defines as greatness. If we never receive the glory for anything we do for people, are we going to still be happy? If, we, if nobody claps for us and say, come on, guy, you're doing good stuff, would we walk that path? Praise God. Are we still together? Is it a good message? Steps to greatness. It's a good one. We have not started climbing the step yet. We're just, we're just arranging the steps. Like, where are we going to climb now? <laughs> Our world is full of self everywhere. Why? Because the world defines greatness as what? Self. 
How big is it? Right? How big is it? So anything you want to do is about how big. How many people are coming? Does the Lord want us to be fruitful? Does the Lord want us to enlarge? He absolutely wants it. But it has to be in his plan for our lives. So the key thing about greatness is God's plan. That's the key thing. It's God's plan. Is that what God wants you to do? Sometimes you have to be comfortable with your assignment. Let's give, let's say an example. You know, maybe the Lord calls you to be a homemaker. Take care of the kids or something. Maybe the Lord calls you in that line. And you're going to hear people talk to you, man, you have to have a career, you have to do this, you have to do this. Maybe the Lord calls you in the path of a career. Then you're going to hear people say, oh, no, you need to be a homemaker. Listen, at the end of the day, you need to find out what does God want for you. Why? Because we're going to the next step now. That's the difficult one. Let's now go to Nehemiah, Zechariah, chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. Steps to greatness. Everybody say amen. All right. Just want to be sure you're here. That you have not traveled. Verse 1. Now the angel who talked with me came back. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 1. And waking me out of his sleep. As a man who is waking out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. I know some of you say, what is this now? Two olive trees are by his, one of the right bowl and the other it's left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said, do you not know what these are? And he said, no, my Lord. And so he answered and said to me, you know, one of the things I like about the Old Testament was their conversation with God. How they related with God. They were clear. I mean, they don't, you have a dream you don't understand, ask the Lord. I had a dream. I didn't understand. What does it mean? I remember one time, someone came to me, had a dream, said he was eating in the dream. So, oh, beautiful. <laughs> Some of us only have food for this realm. We don't have food in the other realm. You have both this and that. Blessed art thou amongst people. <laughs> So he said, oh, I had this dream, this, this, this. I mean, and everything about the dream was, you know, you know what it is now, negative. So I, I got someone to get water. So she thought I was going to pray on the water. So I gave her the water. She drank. She said, okay. I said, no, when you finish eating, eating food, what do you do? Come on, everybody. When you finish eating, what do you do? You drink water. By drinking water, it means business is closed. Are you not going to pray? <laughs> no. Why? You just ate. <laughs> I said, oh, but my former pastor said when you eat in the dream, they are coming to, and I said, go to the book of Acts. I showed them where the Lord told Peter, kill and eat. I said, was the Lord trying to poison Peter? He says, no. I fine. The Lord prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Is the Lord trying to kill you? Say no. Say, but this one is spiritual food. Say, okay. You are just looking for what is not lost. Okay, so it's fine. They want to kill you. So what do we do now? 
I mean, that's the point, right? They want to kill you. Okay, we have, we have agreed. You are on the death list. So what do you want us to do? He says to pray. I say, have you prayed? He says, yes. But you need higher prayer. I said, okay. So I prayed. And you could see there is no conviction. How did I get here? You can have this conversation with God. If you have a dream you don't understand, kneel down and say, God, I had a dream. I didn't understand. Explain. They ask the angel, what are these? The angel said, don't you understand? The guy said, no. That's what I'm asking you. Explain. How many of you know when Daniel dreamt, the Lord gave him an interpretation? Yeah. But because of the way we have been trained, we are always viewing dreams very negatively. Have I taught on dreams in this church? No, I have not. Okay. I think I've been promising to teach it for how many years now? Maybe we should maybe we'll, 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 we'll talk on it. There are three sources of dream. Number one, wow, I hope this won't take, okay. Three minutes bonus for coming to service this morning. There are three sources of dream. Number one, God. Number two, the devil. Number three, your mind. So let's say you like a girl. You want to marry the girl, but it's difficult. You've not been able to talk to the girl, but you're always. After a couple of months, you start dreaming about the girl. And after, if you're not careful, you interpret that dream to be the will of God. That, you know, I was just going one day, I was on my own. You can't be on your own. I walk in, walk in, rain was falling. And there were many girls, but only you brought umbrella to cover me. And when you cover me, I ask the Spirit of the Lord, what said that? The Lord said, that is your covering for eternity. Absolutely. You have to ask whether it's a PDP umbrella or an APC broom. <laughs> so, that can be from your heart. No, no, number two, the enemy can bring a dream to you. Why does the devil bring a dream to you? To cause fear in your heart. Because immediately you receive the dream from the devil and you have the spirit of fear, the enemy does not act on that dream. What the enemy acts on is the fear. So immediately the enemy acts on the fear, that dream comes to pass not because God showed you. It was because the enemy brought it as a bait to your life and what happens, you acted on that dream and then the spirit of fear was released and the enemy can walk with the spirit of fear. Right. Right. It's just like, I don't know if they still do that now when we fish. When we were younger in the village and wanted to fish, then we put worm on the hook and then you put the worm in the, so the worm is the, the dream, the hook is the fear. And the fish comes thinking they're coming for a worm, they get hooked, and then they get into your pot of soup. That's the point. So by the time the fish is dead, it's thinking, why well, it was a worm I went for? That's the point. So when you pursue those dreams, you get the spirit of fear. Two ways to know the dreams that come from God. Number one, one of them can be warning, preventive. And the Lord speaks to you most times in dreams when you're somebody who doesn't learn, who have not learned to listen to the inward witness. So dreams are like the last resort that God uses in speaking to you. If you can't listen to your inner man, if you've not been trained to listen to your spirit. So dreams can come to forewarn you. We have that in scriptures. Maybe, I need to, maybe we'll just do that next month, right? Maybe we'll just do on dreams, a bit of dreams next month. Now, the, the Lord brings those dreams to forewarn you or to show you something. But one thing you find out about the dreams that come from the Lord, even if it is the one that forewarns you, there is a, 
you will find a pathway to say this is going to happen, but if you do this, this will not happen. At the end of the day, you wake up from those dreams with there will be a solution. It will not be fear. Are you, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? Within the dream will be a solution of peace. So although you had a scary dream, but there is a window of peace in it. So you wake up from that dream, you understand, oh, this is going to, I'm going to do this. So most times you're going to have those three ways by which the dream comes. Go back to Zechariah. Verse 6, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's beautiful. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall come, shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth his capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts have sent me to you. Verse 10. For who has despised the day of small things? Who has despised the day of small things? What's the background to this story, interestingly? In 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar came into, into um, Jerusalem and took the children of Israel into captivity, kingdom of Judah and Israel into captivity for 70 years. All right? So when the Babylonian Empire fell, they went back and then they needed to rebuild the, the, the tabernacle. You can find this also from Ezra chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. But then because of external and internal oppression, they couldn't finish the tabernacle for about 16 years. So the project stopped, and then the prophet Haggai came up, and Haggai also started preaching. Uh, this is where also you get the concept of where Haggai was now talking about them living in paneled houses, but the house of the Lord laid in ruins, rebuilding the tabernacle. So this was actually a physical project that God was talking to them about. But if the, funny, the, the thing I like about this is the Lord said to them, who, who is despising the days of small things? Right, this is where we're going to build up from, uh, from, from midweek. But it's important for us to understand that God works with small things. If you want to be great, you must learn not to despise the days of little beginning. You must learn not to despise the day of small things. Let's go through three scriptures very quickly. And I will come back here and just build up and say. Um, Matthew 13 verse 2. Matthew 13 verse 32. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 32. We're talking about the kingdom. It says, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the beds of the air come and rest in its branches. In Job chapter 8, verse 1, down to verse 7, but verse 7 specifically, it says, Though your beginning be small, your latter end shall be full of increase. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, He that is faithful in little will be faithful over much. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 23, it says, If you're faithful in little... I will make you ruler over much. If you are faithful in little, I will make you ruler over much. So we read Matthew 13, 32, Job 8, 7, Luke 16, verse 10, and Matthew 25, verse 23. Who has despised 
the days of little beginning. Most of us want to be great, but we're not comfortable with starting small. We're not comfortable with the days of little beginning. We almost live in a world that when you want to start anything, you have to start from the top. We're not comfortable with the days of little beginning. We don't want to associate with little beginnings. It's not in our project. It has to start big. Excellence doesn't mean starting things big. Excellence means doing things well, even if they are small things. If you want to be a great person, if you want to be a successful person, you must learn to embrace the days of little beginning. The word despise, according to the dictionary, it means to look down with contempt or aversion, to despise what is weak, to regard as worthless. To regard as worthless. Despising the days of little beginning. Most of us would have gone far if we would only appreciate the days of little beginning. Three, four things about the days of little beginning. Number one, those are the days that your character is tested. How do you treat the small thing? How do you treat your small business? How do you treat that income? Do you despise your income? Oh, it's just this amount. It's just this amount. You have a little shop the Lord has opened for you. You have a little work you're doing. One of the things that have always kept me in ministry, I appreciate and magnify the things we do. Consistency in the things we do. The days of little beginning, we all will have these days. But our attitude to those days, it's, it's amazing that the Lord speaks and says, who has despised the days of little beginning? Because generally, the world despises small things. That's where I'm going to. That's why I started with the definition of greatness. So if you start something small, the world will generally despise you. And that can fit, go into your mind and you will start despising even what you're doing. Listen to me. Whatever you're doing today and you're hoping that tomorrow, this is just a stepping stone to something bigger, you're deceiving yourself. You'll never become great. Whatever you despise, you will never be fruitful in. Most of the things, what I tell young people, don't despise your call to ministry. You can, you can be called into ministry. You go into a room full of young people. You're just starting out in ministry. You say, ah, this guy, where are you working? Mentions and oil and gas firm. This one, what are you doing? I'm a consultant. This one, what are you doing? I'm a marketing rep. This one, everybody will bring their titles. And they ask you, what are you doing? And you say, you're a pastor. <laughs> they both just laugh. Laughter is that these are the hungry ones looking for money. And I remember speaking to a young man. Lord's call to ministry has been working in a good, good job. And he said, you know, my struggle, with, my struggle with the ministry, my struggle with the ministries, how can I now be living on tight and offering? How can I live by what people give to me? I said, why it looks like a logical reason, it is actually pride. Why? You feel you're hardworking in love. You should be able to fend for yourself. I say, listen, if this is the way the Lord has designed that ministry should be done, it is humility to say yes. I'm not saying go and take all your church tithes and offerings. But listen, I live by what people give. Of course, willingly now. 
<laughs> There's nothing wrong in that. Are there times I felt, man, I can take responsibility for my life? Yes, but it's humility to say this is the way minister should live. And then, I mean, if you walk into a church like this, it's exciting, right? Beautiful. It's exciting. Good atmosphere, good house, good fellowship, good word. Things are going on well, good choir, air conditioning and everything. We didn't start this way. The first three services of this church, I preached without a microphone. There was no mic. Then Pastor Francis was with me. We started together. He would lead the praises, I'll do the preaching. The first one year, myself and my wife would get to the church early. I'll put on the gen, put on the sound system, and then preach. First one year. There was no staff. I remember one time, that time, the guy, uh, guy came to me that he needed support. The offering we had in the church after one month was about 2000, 3005 by the time we had bought batteries, bought all of this. In order not to explain myself too much, I just opened the book for him. I, this is what, this is, I mean, what you're even asking for is like four times this. When I started this church, I had to squat with someone for six months. Tayo had to put me in his house for six months. And I would walk from the inside the area down to the end finish preaching, walk back. Yeah. Days of little beginning. But was there a difference in the joy level? Absolutely not. Was there a difference in the kind of messages we preach? I even feel I was preaching a, a lot more I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I think I was preaching a lot more harder then because there were few people, so if anybody wanted to leave, it was now you're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, if you listen to me, I mean, like our message was preaching the first one, two years of the church, I had to take them down from the inside. They were hard, they were raw, they were strong. Because now you're like, oh, do you want to come? Oh, don't you want to come? Then it was just like, there was nobody just preached to the chairs. The chairs will show up. They will always be where you arrange them. You're not going to move. Days of little beginning. What's your attitude in those days? It's the most important thing I'm going to. What's your attitude right now? In that one room, what's your attitude? Do you despise it? Are you following what I'm saying? And I want to tell every member of this church, if you don't have your own home and you are living in a rented apartment, treat it as your home. Treat it as your compound. That's how to have a good attitude in the days of little beginning. Don't rip off the house and say, when I build my own, you will never build. Never. Why? He says, if you're not faithful in another man's own, he will not commit yours into your hands. Many people... They feel called into ministry, but they'll never serve. When you get into ministry, the first thing, they have a revelation to chair. Have a word. I have a word. I have a word. You've been having a word for 16 years. Why? Because that's not the path to greatness. There's nothing. There's, I mean, there's nothing in the terms of ministry that I play drums, I play the keyboard. I can't try that now. <laughs> I still edit our messages every week to send. Walked in the sound department, walked everywhere. Why? That's the path to greatness. 
There are days your vision is going to seem like it will never come to pass. What's your attitude? You see someone who doesn't have a job and you say, can you wash cars? Say, that's not what you are believing God for. You can't be believing for anything. At that stage, you know some people work, they're doing little things, but you just know their heart is not there. They always feel bigger than the things. Even people who teach, unfortunately, that's crept into our educational system. People who use teaching as a stepping stone to greater things. So they use our children as experiments. Teacher comes with the homework. You now do the correct one for the teacher. The teacher now takes correction and marks it. Why? Their heart is not there. They just want to eat, just want to survive. So they don't have the right attitude. They despise it even though it's putting food on their table. Praise God. I said praise God. You start a church and you want it to be 1,000 men overnight. Days of little beginning. Do you despise that season in your life? What, 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 what is in your life at a little stage right now that you're despising, that you're looking like worthless? And then funny enough, it is, it, is, it is sweet to read people's story, how people started from scratch and it became great. They only inspire you, but the truth of the matter is that why those people are inspiring you, you have to live your own story out. You have to be happy with the days of little beginning. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean, as a local church, I don't have any doubts that man, we will have days where we will have multiple services in this place. We will have hundreds of members. There is absolutely, if you think it won't happen, you're joking. There's absolutely no doubt. But you know what? It don't do anything to my joy. Because you know where I've started deriving my joy from? From the fact that I serve the Lord faithfully. If you will keep your eyes on the Lord in the days of little beginning, you will not despise Who has despised the days of little beginning? Your character will be tested. Why don't you start small? Why don't you start according to what you can afford? You can afford uh, a, a house rent for one room. Don't go stay in a three-bedroom apartment. Stay in the one room and be happy. A man like me, a man like me. No, a man like you, if you want to stay where a man like you stays, have the money to afford it. Don't be saying you are a man, you are a man, you are a man, a woman, whatever you are. Live based on where you are. Days of little beginning. And be happy with it. There were days I walked to church. It was the same. Nothing changed. There were days of little beginning. You know one thing I'll tell you? If you live your days of little beginning well, no matter what happens to you in life, you'll be constant. I mean, I remember one of these days our car was bad. And uh, when I get to church, we got on a keke and, you know, came to church. Came early, finished. I mean, well, I had a lot of people offer, oh, we'll drop you off at home. I just got back on because the keke was paid for to and fro. Got back on my keke, went home. It, it won't do anything. You can't say because I entered keke, now you are the senior pastor of the church. It, you can't try it. <laughs> do you understand? It's not a... It, it's nothing. It won't change me. It won't do any, nothing. It won't do any. Worst case, my shirt will just get torn. But there are other shirts. It won't do anything to my self-esteem is intact, not touched. 
I raise my kids that way. If we don't have transport, we have to walk to church. Nobody, it's not a matter of, oh God, why me? Why not me? Who should it be? Wait, you, you see, you, you're not trying to show people that you have arrived. There is no arrival in this thing. It's a constant journey with the Father. A constant journey of joy. I want you to relax. That's the, <laughs> that's the summary of this message. Take your life. Cool down. Breathe. Because I know some of you, oh God, we have entered the next quarter. This next quarter will not pass. Relax. Just calm down. It's life. You will leave it. Oh, what will people say? They have been saying, they will continue to say, even when you die, they will say things. Relax. It says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. How, do, how is the spirit of God infused into what you are doing right now? Is not to despise it. With the shouts of grace to it. Treat whatever you have with a good attitude. Go sit with that shop and tell yourself, this shop is going to grow. Sit down there. Don't leave your shop for someone else's shop. You know, I, I talk with some of my friends and they have too many visions. You want to do this. 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 And I'm like, what are you sitting with? Sit down with something. Be known for something. This camp meeting, we're celebrating 10 years of it. I mean, I got my friends coming from South Africa, a couple of guys coming. We had close to 300 people coming for camp meeting. The first camp meeting we ever had, the first camp meeting we ever had, I think I told you the story. I'll tell you that story on there. Continue on Wednesday. The first camp meeting we ever had, somebody gave, I just started ministry then. I shared some of my story with you. When I got married to my wife, we didn't have a phone. We didn't have a phone. Somebody gave me 100000 and uh, rented a three-bedroom apartment. And I told my wife, this is how much I have for the traditional marriage. And the food that can cover this. It's not like how many people are coming. No. We don't plan by how many people are coming. We plan by the food available. Then the, when the people come, they will now eat what is available. So we did that. Very small. I'm not sure all of my brothers attended. After all, I'm going to bring the wife home. They will all see it. So not everybody, maybe myself, my younger brother, or my sister. They say, ah, we will not attend our church. I said, there's no need to attend. She's staying in the house. So for two cars within the traditional marriage. And then during the wedding, I said, this is what we can afford. Ah, my mom said, no. You know my mom is a jovial woman. So I gave her her own card. These are the number of people you should bring. My, my mom went to photocopy my wedding card. The next day, you are just passing. Hey, hey, you are the one. They say want to get married. Ah, tell your mother, the fish customers, the fish, we are coming. <laughs> I mean, it was a big fight. So I told my mom, with what you have done now, you have to have your own food. Because anybody that comes from you will not. I mean, my mom literally had her own food. Because she, I, and I'm that kind of person. I'm not the person who will sit down and they, they, because I'm the one wedding. Then I now see that they are eating the food. I will stand up. Sort that, come back and say, and it's, then my father knows, my mother is very clear. There's no, what will people think? They won't remember. It's 11 years later. They'll forget. Somebody would have done something crazy. I don't forget my story. So my mom just had her own food. Do you understand that? We just, and by the time we finished our wedding, we had more money left. Because there was no, I just told people, no do flower get for me. Uh, what's that? 
What's the one people wear a lot of things? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do. Ashwabi, right? Uh -huh. I just told my wife, very easy. These were the things we were discussing during courtship. No Ashwabi for us because we will not do for anybody. As I'm here, you don't give me uniform. I wear what I have. Is there anything wrong with uniform? No. But as I'm here, it is what is in the wardrobe that I will wear. My younger sister was getting married and he said the color is green. I said, oh, madam, I don't have green. Should I come or I should not come? He said, come. It's not a matter of green. If you have the green and you are giving out, no problem. You understand that? It, there's no, it's not, it won't do nothing. Nothing will happen. They will quarrel after one year. But that thing that happened during the wedding, let's just forget it. Say, let's forget. Life will go on. Nobody will die. It's your day. It's your day. It's your day. It's not your day of death. It's your day of joy. The days of little beginning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say how many steps of cake do you want? I said one is okay. Well, it's not steps to greatness. It's cake. He said to not reach everybody. I said, I've gone to many weddings where I didn't eat cake. You, an, another wedding will supersede your own. It's just the day of little beginning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where are you going for your honeymoon? The hotel next by. Tonight is okay. Let's go back home. Because we are not there to give money to you. Uh, honestly, I don't... Well, let me not say that. But listen, if I want six-step cake now, I can pay for it. But as of then, one step was okay. Anything beyond that was death. You now finish a wedding, they have seized your, your pictures. <laughs> you are owing cameraman. You are owing on the honey night... Only moon night. <laughs> you are quarreling. Ah, you did not pay the guy. You did not pay. Your phone is ringing. You now change number after one day of marriage. Are you? What's wrong with you? You say you want to bury your mother. You cannot bury your mother uh, ordinarily. You you are now in debt for somebody who's passed on. I want to honor her. The honor you can give to your mother is to live debt free. Why? Why? How does this connect to the message? How do we define greatness? How many people came for your wedding? How you closed the streets? How the cake was nine step? Right? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you know, if I even know what I've known now, self. I have to have one traditional distill in my wedding. But, of course, you know, a lot of things are not under your control. Just wear t-shirts. The front, about to marry. <laughs> then the second one, immediately after the wedding, just wear dead. And life will go on. Don't despise those days. Because people are going to put pressure on you. Listen to me. Listen to me. What you cannot afford, you cannot afford. You can't plan your life based on your uncle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Go and stay. If you have been staying in a house that is too expensive, once the rent expires now, don't beg to renew it. Go back to your level and start again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do things you can afford. And that is how to get on to greatness. 
Don't skip classes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For some of you listening to me, young people, your phone is too expensive. Go back to your size. Let your phone not be smarter than you. Don't have a smartphone and a dull brain. Are you following what I'm saying? There are some makeup. You sh- I know you want to be fine, but God will accept you in heaven without makeup. There are some you should not buy. That's why our mothers lived very long. They just had Tiro over their eye. What's, what's the English name for that? If you don't understand, just let it go. Eh? Simple. Just don't, don't kill yourself. A time will come. You will not know which makeup you are using again. But it's a time. Just wait. Life is in faces. Be happy with the face you are in right now. It's just the face. It will pass. Praise God. Praise God. Say this quickly and I close. <laughs> I remember days probably in relationship and all that. And you know, you see people say, I want to take this person to this restaurant. I want to take this person to this fast food. I want to take this person. <laughs> in my mind, it was not a goal. You know why? Even me, I have not been to the fast food. How will I take you there? I mean, it was not possible. It's not as if I didn't like the fast food. I liked it, but the only thing that was free was what you can look at. And I was fine. You see, the, the feeling of feeling sorry for yourself will never let you get into greatness. If you keep feeling sorry for yourself, you're getting, going to get into depression, you're going to get into lies, you're going to get into hypocrisy, you will lie about your life, you will lie about what you don't have and what you have. But if you stay true to yourself, then what will happen? There will be a supply of the Spirit. Then your life is not going to be by might, it's not going to be by power, but it's going to be by the Spirit. The Spirit will not work for a dishonest person. Are you following what I'm saying? Take your life gradually. Amen. There are still many days ahead. Things are going to get better. Amen. Things are going to get better. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. My first mission trip to Cameroon. This is, this is the very last story. My first mission, but I, I think I didn't say that. My first mission trip to Cameroon, it was, I could only raise 22,000. I've been to Cameroon like four times. I've flown the plane maybe twice. My first three trips, you know what I'll do? I'll take a car from Wari to Calabar. I'll not get on, stay with my friend in Calabar, Pastor Komaeda preached here the other day. I'll stay in his house the next night, get on the, sh- on the boat. They used to call it, uh, what's that boat now? Uh, it's a Fako boat or something. I'll get on the boat, four hours on the sea to Cameroon, we'll land in Boya, then from there I'll go to Yaoundé. That's how I was going on my mission trip. But I don't think, I mean, you won't even allow it. Now, if you hear I'm going on mission trip and I'm going to use boats, I hope you will not say, the Lord be with you. No, you won't allow it. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that was a phase. I, I, you know, I was not facing Lagos. Lagos was the airport. There was no need to face the airport at all. You don't go near there. You don't even go and catch vision. You just face your size. Straight to Calabar. Get on the boat. I remember one of those times, the boat got spoiled on water, on water for one hour. Three times I used that journey. You know, the first time I used the regular place, there's, the boat is up, up and down. So down is all the market people. My first trip was down. Then they, they caught the other one first class. It was maybe like 4,000 higher. So after the, 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 the down experience, I set my feet, set my feet, set my feet. I went first class. In fact, I felt big. 
like, don't mind those guys downstairs. Don't understand what we're enjoying, <laughs> you know. And from there, started getting onto flights. What am I saying? If you ask any person who is truly great today, there's a story. Make sure you have your own story. Don't jump the process. Most of us are trying to jump the process. You should have your own story. Say, Pastor, don't worry. My story is so much. Keep building. Keep building stories. You will need it. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. We thank you for the face that we're in. And we pray by the Spirit of God. We yield ourselves to you. Father, we just receive the spirit of contentment. We pray, Father God. We, we just repent of times we have shown ingratitude. We ask that you give us the spirit and the grace to just live within our means, to live within what you've provided, to be happy with the journey of life, to be content while we follow you. Because we know that even though our beginning is small, that our latter days shall be full of increase. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.